Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. I've got a little bit of a special chat that we don't normally do so soon after recently having another one, but um, I thought it would be fun to chat with my friend Bond. Bond Strong, I met from our trip in Italy last summer. So, hey, Bond, how you doing? Hi, Tish. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm doing well. Okay. What are you drinking this morning? Spearmint tea. Ooh, fancy. Do you drink coffee? I don't remember. I do, but I'm very sensitive to caffeine, so I can only have one cup in the morning. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. I was about to make some blackberry tea that you sent me from your mom's shop. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's delightful, and I love it, and I save it. Like, I drink it when I really want something good, but... I went with my black coffee because it is in the morning and I do drink more than one cup. And I wish I was as sensitive as you were to it because I need to be more sensitive to it. Um, But I'm waking up. So black coffee it is for me. All right. So Bond, I wanted to chat with you about travel because I know you're as big a fan of it as I am. And you are... I mean, I guess you could say you're in a slightly different life stage as me. You have little kids, so you don't get to do it as much as you would like, like all of us, but you still love it. So tell me a little bit about why you love to travel so much. I'm not sure I had a choice, but to love it because (laughs) my family is pretty adventurous and um, it's just kind of a a part of our broader family culture. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually had dinner with my great aunt and uncle this weekend. And I asked my uncle Jerry, you know, what's your country count up to? And he's been to 173 countries. Oh my gosh. So yes. And he's 83 and still going strong. Um, so it it was just always kind of something we did. Um, Mm -hmm. but as I've come into my liking it for my own reasons and not just, you know, being taken on trips that the family planned, um, I I love how it simultaneously like strengthens you as a person and humbles you because you see Mm -hmm. how much bigger the world is. But also um, there's always a challenge with traveling. There's always something to overcome, whether it's a custom you're not comfortable with or lost luggage. And I've never been on a trip, even ones that I liked better than others um, where I didn't come back. I feel like a better person. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how travel changes you as much as it does. I think it has something to do with um, kind of the sacramental nature of physically putting yourself somewhere else. Like, you know, we we do so much virtually, like you and I are talking across multi multiple states right now over a screen, and that's really cool. But it doesn't replace like actually being in the same room together, right? Absolutely. And so there's something even now about like, physically putting yourself in another country, another place and asking yourself to like engage with it, even if it makes you feel weird or different or, or even great, you know, there's still something to learn from, I don't know, the old fashioned art of moving (laughs) and putting yourself somewhere else, I think. Uh, So yeah, I'm with you. All right. You you travel a lot, not as much as you would like, but I mean, once you became a mom, did you find yourself like hesitating more or does it, did it not change for you? I don't know. Tell me about it. Like as an adult, what is it like for you? 
I think I got the the wonder list even more <laughs> um, because <laughs> yeah. the first the first four years I didn't I, after I had kids I didn't go anywhere so it was more like a when am I finally going to be able to to do this um, and then once I did it's become even more of a um, a learning experience because mm-hmm. home has greater meaning to me now because yeah. it's where my kids are. It's where my husband is. Um, so even if I'm, you know, off on a trip by myself, a work trip, and I come back home, um, I, I appreciate the leaving and the coming back even more yeah. than I, I did before. It's weird how that happens. Like when I was younger and not married yet, I would travel a lot almost as a form of, I wouldn't call it escapism at the time, but I can look back now and see it was sort of that, you know, is that cliche Definitely. finding yourself <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Mm. But the older I get now, it's like it's I'm more of a homebody than I ever was. And that makes me like travel more because it makes me appreciate the being home. You know, it's like it becomes sweeter. The both ends, the leaving and the coming back. It's kind of wild how that happens. I think it's just like the idea of place in general. Like it makes you appreciate like the specificity of places and how they do their work on you, you know, because home does its stuff on us, too. You know? And the idea of um, this is where I belong, but ultimately we don't belong anywhere. Like this isn't our home. So we can, it makes us long for something while realizing that there's something greater than that. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like whenever you go somewhere or I don't know if you're like this, like this is the time of year where it's sort of the, the dead of late winter spring is on its way and everything just kind of feels blah and you get kind of restless. And so it's yeah. easy, at least for me to feel this, like, I just want to be in Europe on a little cobblestone, you know, path or, or sipping cafe or, or coffee or sitting on a beach or whatever. It's very easy to kind of just imagine somewhere else is better. And then when you go to those places, you realize, oh, this isn't better necessarily, right? It's not like I, it's totally scratched that itch. I think there is that idea of wanderlust being, a little wink from God reminding us where we actually belong, you know? Definitely. Okay. So tell me what you loved about our Italy pilgrimage last summer. Like what, what are some of the highlights looking back now, several months post trip? Well, there's nothing not to like about Italy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It's um, hard. You know, yes. The pizza, the gelato, the, you know, the architecture and the art, there's nothing not to like about the actual place. But, mm-hmm. um, I have never been in a group of 30 people that did not know each other before that got along so well. And we were all so different. Um, But I mean, it was, I think we had some Pentecostals, some Catholics, some Presbyterians. We just, and we had a couple people who, who weren't believers. Um, Right. Yeah. But we were all like-minded. We were all curious. Um, The whole group was easygoing. And I think that speaks to the kind of, people that want to travel with you and what you've, what you've built. Um, it's just a delightful group of people to, to be with. And that was the best part. I mean, I ha- I had withdrawal symptoms <laughs> mm-hmm. for like a month after I just wanted to be drinking a cappuccino in the mornings and having deep discussions with y'all when yeah. we got back. Um, and when I think yeah. about that trip, I think about the people more than I think about Italy. Is there something that stands out to you like a particular moment? Cause I have some, I'm curious if they match. Hmm. Well, all of my dinners with Rick and Stephanie, <laughs> who um, <laughs> they were an older couple on the um, on the trip that my husband and I just really connected with. And we've actually been to visit them since then. Um, mm-hmm. I had some really wonderful conversations with them. Um, 
Hearing the organ at the Duomo and sitting beside you and Seth and Amber, that was one of the highlights of the trip for me too. But it wasn't just hearing the organ. It was, it was also sitting there with you all Mm -hmm. and knowing Mm -hmm. that you all were as moved as I was. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's what you do. Like when you travel like that, you just make yourself open to those off the beaten track moments because I agree all my highlights when I think back are the things that weren't in the brochure, you know, as great as our, our itinerary was. And it was fantastic. It was like mind boggling. And I still go back. Like, I don't know if you think this way, but several months later, you're like, I was there. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I was there, you know, Mm -hmm. but my highlights are things like that. Things like, you know, what town was it when we just found that impromptu mass happening in that tiny little church? Oh, that was San Gimignano. Yes, San Gimignano. Mm-hmm. And we just found a mass starting. We were like, let's hop in. I mean, I felt wildly underdressed. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And there was a bunch of old people. And it was all in Italian. And it was super hot. And it was amazing. Ha- you know, sitting there with mass, uh, for mass with all these other people that we will never see again. And then I also loved, do you remember when we went on that impromptu gelato run? That was just what I was thinking. <laughs> uh-huh. So we got late night yes. gelato. We brought it back for everybody. And we just like ate from the carton together. And it was so fun. And I think that does speak to the people, you know, because I wouldn't want to do that with everybody. I mean, there are times when I travel, I mean, funnily enough, usually when it's like extended family or something where I just like cannot wait to go back to my room with a book. And there are times when even that happens with trips like this. But I as an introvert, actually loved traveling with these people that I did not know less than a week ago. It was so weird. It was like, how is this possible? But there's something really cool about a gathering of like-minded people, even as different as we were. I mean, yeah, you're right. We had wildly different um, maybe worldviews or beliefs religiously, but we were also wildly different in life stage, like singles in their 20s all the way to a couple in their – I want to say 80 years old or almost 80 was our oldest pilgrim. It yes, was Cliff. Huge... Was, his name, was right? it Cliff or was it um, Juju? Oh, or, no, Juju was older, I think. Okay. Either way, both mm-hmm. elderly. And they yes. both were fantastic. And it was so fun to have them there. Oh, they added so times. much to the trip. Yes, they did. Okay, so why a pilgrimage then? Like, what what do you think makes a pilgrimage special or different than, like, going on a trip? Well, I think we're all on a pilgrimage towards okay. something already, mm-hmm. even if we're not aware of it. And so for me, um, a pilgrimage is kind of resetting your mindset and trying to become aware of what you're, you've been moving towards in your life. And if you need to reset that, um, it's an opportunity to do that. Um, and that's why I think it's more about the relationships with the people like what's God saying to you to the, through the people that you're with or through the art that you're seeing, um, through the conversations that you're having rather than the actual spot um, or location, destination, a- as important as those are. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there's something about being in that place, like mm-hmm. having meaningful conversations in meaningful places, yes. I think, does its work on you. and. I think a lot of just saying yes to a pilgrimage looks like saying yes to letting God speak to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Ireland is where we're going this next summer. 
And I know it's a place you love. Tell me why you love it so much. It's my favorite place in the world. Okay. (laughs) That's amazing to say when you think of all the amazing Mm -hmm. places in the world. Why do you love it so much? Um, the people. Okay. I mean, it has, um, it kind of has a reputation for not being like the culinary capital of the world, (laughs) but they still have Guinness and they have good whiskey and they have, um, amazing bread, which you have a bread, um, baking day on your tour. Um, there's lots of hidden gems there that people Mm. don't realize. Um, it's beautiful in a very, it's not, I mean, there are places there that are dramatic, like the Cliffs of Moher. Um, but really, it's gentle rolling hills and um, stone fences. And it's just not its not overwhelming. Like, it's just a lovely place all around. There's nothing not beautiful about it. But the best thing <laughs> is the people. Like, I have yeah. never met a person there that I didn't feel like. I'm like, this is definitely a long-lost cousin somewhere down the line. <laughs> you oh, just I love that. Feel, you just feel connected to them. And um, I haven't met one person like in a pub or even like a taxi cab where I did, you know, they weren't friends by the end of the night and I've never been anywhere like, like that in the world. That's, and I've been so back fantastic. several times and that's, it, it's, yeah. it wasn't a fluke the first time. Okay. You've been more often than I have. So that's good to know. I'm, I'm stoked about all the, the things on our itinerary, but I, I think I gasped out loud when I saw this pitched to me as an idea. We're going to go to a local's house and he's going to, it says he's going to welcome us with home-baked treats, poetry, storytelling, and live music in his kitchen. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the world? Like, what is that? How is that on like an official itinerary for a pilgrimage? But that to me is very, that's like such an Irish thing, you know, mm-hmm. not only to do all those things, but to do it in someone's kitchen. And just to welcome us in. That's amazing. That's so fantastic. I love it. And they have such a unique um, just culture and spirituality there. It's so unlike the rest of Europe. Um, The whole, well, I mean, the the title of your pilgrimage is the Celtic way. That's definitely a thing. I mean, they just do things differently. Mm -hmm. They're very passionate um, they're resilient people. Their history is fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this trip is very rugged. And I mean that in all the right ways. Like, yeah, it's rugged in the sense of like, we're going to go on a hike and it's pretty, it can get, the weather's unpredictable there. And so we're telling people to wear layers and it's more casual perhaps, but there's something about the ruggedness of just the people there, even just the food, the music, the art, the there's, you know, to me, Italy is equally beautiful, but there's a certain delicacy to it. And Irish art, Irish, just the way of life feels rugged and like gritty, you know, like they've earned it or something. They've earned the right to live on that land. That's so beautiful. Yes. It feels very human. Yeah. And like all the right ways. Mm, That's a good way to put it. All right. So, at the time that we're recording, um, I think including my family, we're talking 35 people have already signed up. Like, there's 35 of us going. I think that means there's 15 spots left. Yes. What does that, like, I don't know. Someone's listening thinking, oh my gosh, this is something that I feel a nudge. Like, for whatever reason, I should go, but I'm scared out of my mind at the thought of going with people I've never met before or 
asking my friend to join me on a pilgrimage or maybe even taking a kid or two of mine, what would you tell them about why they should take one of those remaining spots left? There's no, there's no way that you will come back regretting it. I've never, mm. I've never talked to a person that even if a trip did not go exactly the way that they wanted, that they regretted going. I, I've seriously never talked to a person that regretted visiting mm. another country or culture. Um, yeah. You just grow, even if it's not your cup of tea. Um, yeah. th- there you will grow. So being scared is not a reason. It's not a sign that you should not go. I would imagine. No. no. Right. Because I'm sure there are people that sign up that are scared. Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. In fact, I think on Italy, on our Italy trip, I talked to a few people that said, I came so close to canceling, like saying, never mind. What what the heck am I doing? Even on the way to the airport. Like, I don't know anybody. Why am I going? And they loved it. So. And another I, thing about yeah. traveling with a group is you go from, um, you know, people on that trip better by the end of the first or second day than most people that you talk to for two years. Because just by mm-hmm. the nature of um, you're learn you're being thrown into this situation together. You're with each other 24 seven. Um it's just a different level of um, companionship than you experience in everyday life. Yeah, that is absolutely true. That is an excellent point. I think there's something about just the shared experiences. And it's like what we were saying. It's a lot of those downtime experiences. It's the chatting on the bus. It's the sharing a meal together. It's the walking and, and seeing something for the first time together that in that almost speeds up the bonding process to where – even if you're an introvert, even if you can only take so many people um, in a day, like, and there were plenty of us on that trip, it's still such a life-giving sort of friendship because of that shared experience that I think um, almost anybody can can really revel in and really take value in. And you're not caged in. Like there's still – like if you need to stay back for a day, um, you, you always have that. That That's opportunity, true. and you're you're back at the hotel by five p.m. every night, so you can retire to your room if you if you need. That's to. a good point. That's a good point. It's um, you know, I think I said this a, a few times in, in Italy that the type of trip I'm going to lead, like by default, I am not going to be the person that asks us to wear matching shirts and I'm going to wave a flag <laughs> and you know and tell us to all stay together in the museum because you're going to miss out on something. No, I mean that's not who I am anyway. In fact, I I like to bake in free time in our trip. So every day, I want to say, or almost every day, there's going to be time where you can just like wander over to this pub or stay back and look at this one little thing or, you know, like you said, you can take a break or whatever. Um, So it is definitely not a micromanaged, like we're all cattle going from one place to another type of pilgrimage. So if that's in your mind and you're listening and you're thinking, I want to go, but the thought of a group trip just makes me queasy. I mean, me too, when it comes to that kind of travel, but that's not what we do. It's definitely not the kind of pilgrimage I would ever want to lead. So yeah. All right. Bond, is there a deadline for people to sign up? I can't remember. It's usually 90 days before departure. Okay, cool. Okay. So um, at the time of this recording, people still have plenty of time to sign up. So there is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you are listening and you think I want one of those 15 spots, there's definitely time to take it. So don't feel like it's too late. I know it feels a little like, you know, we're talking early March now, mid-March. It might start feeling like, oh, I should have made plans now, but totally not. Like you can still 
add a trip to your summer <laughs> if, if you're feeling the, the Lord leading in that regard. And I will just add on, like, this is a family-friendly trip, but that doesn't mean you have to come with your family. Like, my kids are going. Um, it'll be super fun if you want your kids to come along, as long as they can do some light hiking or at least six and over. Six and over. Thank you. I was like, there's got to be some sort of <laughs> something. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it, they are welcome to come along. It'll be a motley crew of people just like it was last time. It'll be great. Yes. Okay. Ireland is so kid and family friendly. Right. I do remember that the few times I've been there that it felt very like, I mean, truly it's on my youngest son's bucket list. I mean, he's 12, so he doesn't have, you know, he's got plenty of time, but he is so excited about it because of how rugged it is and how wild it is and how adventurous seeming it is like it just kind of speaks to the soul of a young person I think in that way so yeah bring along your kids if you're if you're wanting some kind of family adventure for sure okay bond we like to wind up all our chats sharing one thing that's adding more beauty to our days so what do you have right now recently um my kids and I who are they're four and six we mm-hmm. have been listening to the Saint Stories for Kids podcast one oh, yeah. a day. Okay. And it's really short. They're like five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But they are so good. I've even listened to a few by myself. Um, and that's been a really fun thing to bond over. Um, and there, a lot of them are like the quirkiest stories that you can come up with, you know, s- stories of bilocation and uh, levitating um, during prayer. So it's, it's um, sparked some really good conversations with my kids and it's, they're definitely interested in it. So it's been a really good bonding experience. That's a great one. I, um, I love that it's short. I love that it's daily, right? Like there's one a day. I think it's weekly. Or is it weekly? Weekly. Okay. It's weekly. Um, I love the, the way saints can speak to our kids in a certain way um, where they can just kind of find somebody that's like, either that is so wild, like you were saying the miraculous stuff, or just they sound ordinary and regular people like, because they were. Um, so that's a really good one. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me, I am reading a book for my book club. Have you ever read The Awakening of Miss Prim? I feel like. No, but it's on my list for this year. Okay. Me too. Um, the reason it was on my list is because like 2,700 people have told me I would like the book. So I was like, fine. <laughs> and so it was my turn to pick the book club or the book for the book club. So I decided to pick this and so far I'm loving it. Um, it's, it's kind of fable like written, you know, it's not like you can tell she's not making it realistic on purpose, but I think you would love this. Like if you're the type that would love a pilgrimage, um, you would love The Awakening of Miss Prim. It's set in this beautiful little European village and there's all sorts of fun little characters, but it's not, it's not cloying and cozy and like silly either. It's very thoughtful. They talk about Thomas Aquinas and Plato and really good deep stuff. Um, so I think it would be totally up your alley. I think it would be up the alley of a lot of people that listen to this podcast. So, yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes. The Awakening in Miss Prim. It's by Natalia San Martin Finoyera. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but it was originally in Spanish. She's from Spain, and so it's translated into English. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. All right, Bond, thank you for chatting. I really, really, really Thanks appreciate for having it. Me. Yeah, I'm going to put in the show notes um, the brochure for the Ireland trip and the way anyone can sign up for it. Um, so definitely if you are remotely interested in it, 
please take a look, consider it, listen to Bond's words of wisdom that you will not regret signing up. All right, it's time to wrap it up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at adrinkwithafriend.com. And you can go there to find how you can support the show by picking up the next round of drinks, as well as all the show notes like the Ireland brochure. Again, that's at adrinkwithafriend.com. You can find me and how to connect with me at tishoxenwriter.com. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenwriter. I am Tish Oxenrider with Bond Strong, and Seth and I will be back here again with you soon. Thank you so much for listening. 